Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the podcast where my name, Jeff, me, personally, go through all of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in the order they were released. And uh, this week, we've got a doozy. We got a heck of a movie. Um, It's called Number 17. And it runs for 66 minutes. And it is one of the most bananas movies. It takes the cake for being out of control. Like the pleasure garden was nuts. This is the craziest movie yet. Um, So I try to take extensive notes when watching the movies. And I had to pause so many times to write down so much information because it comes fast. And I've been critical of these movies in the past because they tend to be bloated with just nothingness where hours and hours of nothing happening. This was not the case. You cannot blink in this movie. You will miss something. I had to rewind it several times. I had to keep going back. And when the end came, I needed to go back again to get more information because it's just, it throws everything at you. Good thing in 66 minutes, because it really to kind of understand everything, you almost need to watch it twice or at least pause it and back up and play and pause. There's so many characters that come at you so fast. Some of them are lying about who they are. It's bananas, okay? So we're talking about the number 17. It came out in 1932 and, of course, was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Whew. I, prepare yourselves, because this is, this is, a this one's, I don't want to say this movie's good, but it is entertaining as hell. It's crazy. So we are introduced, the opening scene is like this creepy, windy day, and you're watching a hat blow down the sidewalk, and it falls right in front of this building that has the number 17 on the front, hence the name. Uh, And the owner of that hat is a gentleman by the name of Fordite. Uh, He finds the hat, puts it on, and goes into the house. Uh, This house is covered in cobwebs. It's creepy. It's stormy outside. It's just kind of a great opening scene as he goes into this creepy house with no lights. You're having to light candles and he's going upstairs. And and as he's doing this, there's people moving around in the house. You start hearing footsteps and seeing other lights move around in shadows. It's a ton of this for a good portion of the movie. Uh, So while he's in there, he finds a guy named Ben. We and Ben is like old drunk guy. I'm guessing he's squatting here because they don't ever really explain why he's in the house in the first place. But I'm guessing Ben, this drunk old guy, is squatting. And while he's in this house, Ben and this guy named Fordite, who I'm gonna call Governor, because that's how he's referred to through the most of the movie by Ben. And that's what I called him in my mind, because you don't like his name is really coming up in one of the scenes here. He says his names, but it's really hard to hear. And I think he says Fordite. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, but he happens upon this guy, Ben, who has found a body and this body was hidden head. There's blood coming down this, this man's face that's down on the ground. And, uh, so immediately Fordyce kind of suspicious of Ben, like, why did you kill this guy? And Ben's like, hey, man, I didn't kill anybody. But he said it in a more drunk way. And 
Fordite asked Ben to empty his pockets and he's got all kinds of garbage, like a handkerchief. And then he's got a sausage and he's like, Sausage. That's what I ate him on the aid with. Also in his pockets is a picture of a toddler. I don't mind about that. I should never mind about that. Oh, sorry. Yours? Yes. Jolly little kid. Yes. She was. Yes, she was. This is great character development uh, because... You've got a squatter who's an alcoholic who's in this house around a dead body. And in that moment, you kind of get that he's not the bad guy. The reason he's an alcoholic is because he lost the child. And it doesn't come up again, but it's there. It's what kind of makes Ben Ben. And it not excuses the alcoholism, but it explains it and why he's squatting and being so fishy all the time and, and really has no one. He's alone when uh, Fordite stumbles upon him. I just, you know, like, and that's something that I didn't think about until after the watching the movie and kind of going back through. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And um, yeah, like not to dwell on that horrible thing so they both hear thumping and moving around and they look up and there's like drywall coming down from the ceiling and through the ceiling falls a woman uh, a woman whose name is rose she is knocked out as she falls through and they are looking for uh he she immediately wakes up i should say and is screaming for her dad who she was looking for turns out he, her dad had a note on him that was a uh, telegram for a detective Barton. So I think her dad was like, do like an undercover cop in what we're going to find out to be a heist for some jewelry. And on him was this ticket for number 17 and a, this telegram to say a, telling him about what's going to happen and where and detective Barton it's a, it's addressed from detective Barton to him or to the other way. Anyway, I don't know exactly. There's a lot going on. They start looking for uh, her dad and they ask Ben to go up to the roof to look for her. And Ben goes on the roof that she just fell through and he falls through himself. He tends to slide downstairs multiple times in this movie. He's always falling over because he's drunk uh, talking about Ben, there is a, um, on that note, that telegram, it's saying that they're going to meet up at, uh, midnight 30, 1230 in the night. And as for some reason, their clock tolls 1230 at night. Uh, normally I'm used to only tolling on the hour. Uh, there is a ring at the doorbell and Fordyke goes downstairs and opens the door or as he's, he's down at the door and you, you see, a hand go in and start grabbing through the mail slots. Kind of cool. Like it's just a creepy, awesome thing. And he, his hand pulls back out and comes back in showing another number 17 ticket. Fordite opens the door and there's this old crusty dude, 
with a woman uh, who is deaf and mute. Uh, her name is Nora. And this guy, I'm just going to call uncle because that's what he gets called. Because as Fordite is closing the door behind him, someone sticks his foot in the door. And he calls out to this newcomer. Let me grab his name. Okay. So the old crusty guy with Nora is Brant. And this guy puts his foot in the door and he calls out saying, nephew, uh, he's saying, uncle, can I come in too? Calling out to Brant. And Brant, nobody trusts anyone because we find out that all these people are criminals. Uh, and these people that are coming in, I should say. And so I'm going to refer to this other guy that's coming in as nephew because that's how he gets referred to. This movie, throughout most of it, I don't know anyone's names. They do a terrible job of assigning names. And sometimes, like with Fordite, when he says his name early in the movie, it's really hard to hear. And I don't know what he's saying. So anyway, while they're, while uh, Fordite is downstairs talking with this couple, Ben and Rose see that that body that they had found earlier was now gone uh, and they don't know where it is. And so I think Ben thinks that these newcomers are the cops and they want to come upstairs and Ben's like, well, there's no body up here. So he's not worried about if they come upstairs. So they come upstairs, but then uncle has a gun and so does nephew and they're pointing it at each other. And they're wondering about where this guy named Shellbreck is. So Shellbreck is another part of this group. I'm going to go fast here because he gets, there's so much going on. So Shellbreck is part of this group, but they don't know where he is. And I guess they haven't met each other. And I don't know how this heist really went off, but really there's a jewel heist. And it turns out that Shellbreck's already in the house. He's in the bathroom. But the reason we find that out is because uncle and nephew grab Ben, because Ben tries to make a run for it, and Ben has a gun on him that he found on the body that was upstairs. They take the gun from him and they throw Ben in the bathroom. When Ben's in the bathroom, there's a hand from behind that like Vulcan death grips him. And I mean Vulcan death grips. Touches him on the shoulder, Ben goes down. This is who we later find out to be Shellbrick. Wait, I'm going too far. But... <laughs> All right, but yeah, anyway, this is Shellbrick. So there's another guy at the front door who has a wound on his head who they think is Shellbrick, and they tie up the they tie up our couple, uh, you know, because Ben's now in the bathroom with the real Shellbrick. This fake. Let me turn my phone. They're in the bathroom with this. Uh, whoa. Okay. Uh, let me take a minute because. There's so much going on in 60 minutes. Let me slow down. There's no rush. It's not a marathon. My podcast. I could take as long as I like. Okay. Let's back up. They throw Ben in the bathroom. And Ben gets the Vulcan death grip. And we don't know who this other person is in the bathroom. When this happens, someone's at the front door that comes upstairs and it's who they assume to be Valbrek. Because I guess they've never met. He's part of the group and he's the one that's supposed to have the jewels on him. In the bathroom, you see that the real Valbrek gets the jewels out of the toilet. He was hiding them in the toilet and puts them in his pocket. But when he's listening at the door, Valbrek is to what's going on outside. Uh, between this fake Valbrek 
and uncle and nephew, Ben pickpockets the jewels from Valbrick. Valbrick goes out and assaults. So no, the fake Valbrick locks uncle and nephew in a closet, I guess, and sets Rose and Vorbeck free because you find out that fake Valbrack is really Rose's dad, who's undercover as part of this heist. Okay. <sighs> All right. There's so much to keep track of. Um, Let me look through my notes. They go. All right. So real Valbrecht comes out of the bathroom and beats up fake Valbrecht and locks him in the bathroom along with, uh, I think, Rose. And he says, okay, I've got the jewels. We need to get on the train, which is the getaway train. This train is going to go on a ferry that transports trains. So we'll see later in the movie that this ferry has tracks on it and they back it up to other set of tracks and the train should just coast nicely onto the ferry and then the ferry can take off from there. And they're going to use this as a way to flee on a train, get on a boat and then go wherever that boat's going. And they think that will leave very little tracks behind. With them is this deaf mute woman named Nora who actually can talk and I don't know what her motivations are but it like she sort of regrets she's definitely a criminal and part of this group but she regrets what's going on uh at one point our protagonist Forbeck and uh Rose are tied to a banister that breaks and they're hanging off these stairs and they're gonna die and Nora comes and saves them so she's not a bad person like the other ones with the guns and the threats and the beating up. Also, there's one of the worst fights, the third worst fight I've ever seen in movies. Okay. I can't remember what the second one was, but the first one being from downhill. It's, it's epically bad between Shellbreck and fake Shellbreck. And I have a question though <laughs> with fake Shellbreck because he gets, he opens the door to the bathroom fake shellbreck does and real shellbreck comes out but before he does this he could have untied rose and our protagonist and then he would have had some backup but he didn't do that so he gets his butt kicked so after he gets his butt kicked fake shellbreck they throw rose in the bathroom with shellbreck and ben and for Bythe or whatever his name is are outside the room and our criminals lock <laughs> it's so confusing okay they lock Ben and Forbeck in not Shelburne not for Forsyth for Mythe governor in the the, the the like another room and they take off and they go to this train so Forbeck and Ben start to follow this group to the train and so Ben's able to get on no problem, but Forbeck, like an idiot, tries to get on the same cart that the criminals are on and they just immediately kick him off the train, literally boot him from the train and he can't get on the train. So his bright idea, this guy, Forcheck, governor, 
His great idea is I'm going to go and carjack a bus filled with passengers. No joke. He carjacks a bus filled with passengers. And he holds a gun to the driver of the bus and the driver starts speeding full blast. Everyone in the back of the bus is going nuts. It's hilarious. On th- we cut back to the train because now, okay, we are at a point in the movie where it just goes crazy. The last 20 minutes of this movie is insane. It took me forever to watch it because I had to stop and take notes and go back and take notes. And I'm missing a lot here. But on this train is, let's recap here. We've got four check on the outside carjacking a bus and he's trying to pursue the train on the train is Ben. Ben has the necklace that was part of the heist. He is in a cabin alone with a bunch of booze. So he starts drinking. Also on the train are uncle, nephew, and Nora. Okay. Now I don't, and, Oh, uncle, nephew, Nora, and the real Shelbreck. Shelbreck, uncle, and nephew see that the guard on the train has spotted them and he's going to kick them off. So they decide to go ahead and pursue the guard and knock him out before they get kicked off. When this is happening, Ben leaves in a drunken state like an idiot and he starts climbing the side of this train, totally drunk, and finds his way to Nora. And he starts making friends with her because I guess she's nice to him. While this is happening, on the back of the bus where the guard was and has now been knocked out by the trio, the trio starts getting into an argument about who's got the the jewels, which Shellbreck is supposed to have, but we know that he doesn't have. And it turns out that they find out that Nephew is actually a cop. So remember that telegram? It's addressed to Mr. Barton, and the whole time they're trying to find out who Mr. Barton is. Well, it turns out it's Nephew. And Nephew... Is like, well, you know, I'm a cop. And he tries to get the necklace off of Shellbreck. But then they fight and they go back. So I, I can't remember. I think uh, nephew Barton like gets away and he goes back to where Nora is. And he's like, hey, Nora, give me the jewelry. I know you have it. I remember now. So. Brant, who's the main old guy, is fighting with Shellbreck. And Nephew remembers that there was a purse that she, being Nora, went back for. He goes to confront her on the train, but she doesn't have it because, again, we know that Ben has it. Well, Ben sees that this poor woman is being searched by this cop. And he takes pity on her. He's like, no, 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 I have the necklace. And he pulls it out and he shows it to Barton. But then they get in a scuffle because the two other criminals show up and they give chase. So they now think that nephew has the necklace, but he doesn't. It's still back in this cabin. And nephew is pursued by the other two criminals he does a okie doke on him and comes back so we cut back to the bus the bus is still zipping down the highway at crazy speeds filled with people our protagonist has endangered the lives of 20 people 
Okay. And he's carjacked a bus. It's awesome. It's great. It's the best part of this movie is the carjacking. So while this is happening now, our two main criminals have gone to the front of the train and they get spotted by the conductor and the guy who shovels coal. And they shoot and kill the guy shoveling coal and they go into the engine part where the conductor is and they tell him to keep it driving. But then he faints. Like, and this is one of the few times, because normally in these movies, it's always the women fainting because that's just the view of women back in the day. But this time, the conductor faints. What a progressive film. He faints. And now, no one's here to drive the train. So the bus is at this point now driving side by side with the train. And there's some model work here, and it looks great. You can still tell it's a model, but it is does a great job of doing this dangerous train and bus chase scene without really endangering anyone and keeping it under a budget. I, I really like the model work. It's really fun to look at because the train is a model and the bus is a model. And so at this time you see the ferry pulling into port to receive the train. We got a problem though. This train, no one on here knows how to stop it. So the train Let's recap again. Let's stop the train carrying the two criminals, Barton the cop, Ben and Nora. And Nora's actually been handcuffed by Barton at this time because he's going to arrest her. And the train plows into the ferry like full flat out. I would imagine you'd have to slow down to get on a train boat ferry, but it plows through the boat. The boat explodes, not like an actual explosion, but there's shrapnel and, and debris everywhere. And all the train cars in the back start to slowly go into the water. Keep in mind that Ben and uh, Nora and Barton are on this. Okay. Now the, the, the two main criminals were in the front of the train. So they're dead from the train accident. Well, Barton gets away, doesn't even try to save Nora. Forsyth, for, for Mythe, Forcheck dives in the water and saves Nora and Ben is able to swim to safety. The whole, like, I can't even tell you how crazy the last 20 minutes of this movie are, but it's not over yet. So we cut in to like, a police precinct or maybe somewhere near the train area. I don't know, but Nora Barton Forcheck, and Ben are here in this room. And Forcheck is talking about arresting Nora, not Forcheck. Sorry. Barton is talking about arresting Nora. She's going to go with him and, Oh, I'm losing track of these names. Forcheck says, who the heck are you? And Nora informs Forcheck that nephew is really a police officer named Barton. Well, this makes Forcheck exceedingly excited. He says, how dare you impersonate an officer and not just any officer, but Barton. Because me, Forcheck, I'm Barton. Turns out he's really the cop, which was makes sense because he's the only one you can't explain why he's there. Ben was there because he was squatting. Everybody else was there because they got these tickets for number 17. 
the only guy who had no explanation to be there was Forecheck or Barton or Governor or whatever his name is. Now, we cut back. They arrest fake Barton. So we've had two fake people. Like, this movie is crazy. Now it's just Ben, Nora, real Barton, Forbeck, Governor, Forecheck. Barton stands up and says, get up, you're coming with me. And she's like, where are we going? Where are you taking me? And he goes, out to breakfast. So now he sees this as an opportunity to get a date, as opposed to, I'm not going to arrest you, but we're going to have a date. What a gentleman. Like, of course she's going to accept the date. You don't know whether she likes you or not. She's just going to accept the date because she doesn't want to go to jail. And we cut to Ben who's got a big robe on because he's cold and he opens it up like he's going to flash them. And around his neck is the jewelry in question. Everybody has a laugh and we cut the end credits. Holy crap. What a movie. What a film. What a just, what a, this thing was bananas. This is my new favorite. I mean, I know the man X man has been my favorite for a little bit and it is probably just a better piece of storytelling because this thing is a mess. It's choppy. It doesn't make sense half the time, but boy, is it bonkers, man. You could just, I, of the ones I've seen so far, this might be the one I might rewatch the most because it's 66 minutes. It doesn't stop. It's got creepy atmosphere. It's got bananas plot like twists and turns. It's got a great chase scene with a train and a bus filled with citizens that some police officer has now endangered everyone on the bus. There's a train that plows into a boat. There's shrapnel everywhere. People drowning, fake cops, real cops, fake criminals, real criminals. This movie has it all. I cannot, this is on daily motion. Okay. Which is again, fake YouTube. I mean, real you, it's great, but you can find it. And this movie is bananas. You have to watch it for the fight scene that happens midway through because it's the worst thing you'll ever see. Oh, I forgot to tell you. So I'm knocking stuff over. There's a scene in this movie where they go to let Ben out of the bathroom. And I'm talking about uh, Forecheck and Rose. And Ben comes out swinging and he just punches Rose right in the face. It's bananas. This movie is crazy. <sighs> five out of five stars. I loved this. It was so much fun. I'm so happy that we got a movie that was this short and had so much in it. It just never stopped. And I forgot to edit in more audio. I meant to, but there's just too much. There's too much to deal with. <sighs> this made me happy. But I... Sad to say, I think our fun is going to end here because the next movie is called Strauss's Great Waltz. This is also a movie that has multiple titles that we've seen before, and it's also listed as Waltzes from Vienna. The story of Johann Strauss, the elder and the younger. How are we going to go from one of the most bananas thing ever but now we have to watch like a biopic about johann strauss why is he doing this to me just stick to the stupidity the craziness this was an action film this was fast five before fast five okay that's exactly what this is this is a this is the earliest fast and the furious movie ever just insane plot twists 
a crazy car chase, a train that drives through a boat. These are things that you would not think you would see in a movie from 1932. I cannot praise this movie enough. It's insane. Anyway, my name's Jeff. This is Hitchcock Chronologically. You can catch me here every Wednesday. You can email me at hitchcockchronologically at gmail.com. Also check out the Discord link in the description if you want to have a little chat with me in the Budget Arcade Discord. That's it. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be any top on this one, at least for a while, but we'll see you next time.